0: You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm a writer and producer who lives in Pasadena, California with two college-age kids and a dog and a husband. And I'm here with my sister, Liz Dolan.
1: I'm Liz Dolan. I am a former corporate executive. I live in Santa Monica with my dog, Hooper. And just FYI, I am not changing my privacy settings this week at all. So in case you haven't heard from me, if I'm the only person you haven't heard from on this issue, that's what I'm doing. Julie.
2: Hey, <laughs> okay. I'm Julie Dolan. I live in Dallas, Texas after living and traveling all over the world. I'm an empty nester and an urban nana. All right. Hey, it's great to be back, you Welcome guys. Welcome back, Liz. Thank you.
1: I thought maybe you would be opening an Italiano or something. <laughs> You're back from your adventure. I know. It Is was... she
2: wearing a toga or something, Liz, this morning? <laughs>
1: Looking
0: stylish. Do looking I? Thank stylish. you. I had a scarf on. I thought that was one too many layers, but I did. Yeah. And I've, of course I've been waking up at 4 a.m. since I've returned thanks yeah. to the jet lag. So I've been literally up for hours and it's 9 a.m. I know the, the time coast.
1: difference from the West coast to Europe is really, it's rough. It's debilitating. It's, t- it's <laughs> 10 hours.
0: It's a long trip and it's a long recovery, yeah. but I had a fantastic time. Okay. So oh, more, on that. more on that later in the show, as usual, we have a full show. Uh, We have a whole block of news stories that we're just lumping together because individually they're
1: almost too much to take. It's so depressing. But together there's a lesson in them, Yes, isn't there? There's a stay noisy lesson, but there's also a... We have not totally worked through all of this kind of lesson. Yeah, so
2: there's a there's a tide out there. There's yes. a rolling tide. That's <laughs> what I say. And just just keep
0: get ready for it because it's coming. I don't think it's, it's going to stop. All right, Julie, you are going deep on entertaining sisters today. You have some controversial children's movies. Yes, that's <laughs> How what is I, that I, possible? I,
2: I, I took my <laughs> grandchildren to movies that people are protesting against, Liam, <laughs> and I have a full report. And I think you're going to be interested to hear about it. That really sums up 2018, doesn't it? <laughs> Peter Rabbit. Down with Peter
0: Rabbit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, Liz, you saw, did you see the R, uh, RBG doc? Oh, I saw it.
1: the Ruth Bader Ginsburg doc. I mean, I'll tell you a little bit more about it later. But yeah, just, just go see it, people. There's so much in there you don't know. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And then you have other
0: stuff, but also you and Sheila went to see Paul Simon last night, a last-minute Paul last Simon minute gambit.
1: Thing. Yeah, Liam, I woke up with a song in my heart. That's all I can say. I might even sing when we get to that. <laughs> it's all Uh-oh. still in my head. All right, so that's a
0: full show, and we have a few other stories, too, that we'll get to, including an Operation Sea Turtle update. But... I, I am back from my European odyssey. It felt like you were gone forever, Leanne. Yo, I was gone 10 full days, uh-huh. and that was a good, long
1: trip, frankly. So for Julie and I, it was two full shows. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that's why it felt yeah. so long, Julie. Two <laughs> I know, shows completely on I know. our own.
2: <laughs> we were worried, Leah, what in what you would think of the two shows we did. But, I, but you said they were pretty good. So, so far, so good. In some segments, I thought were very good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow, some were very good. I feel better
2: now, Leanne. Thanks. <laughs>
0: so, um, but just to refresh people, I went to Rome and Paris. I met my college-age son, Colin, who'd been studying abroad in Greece and in Florence. I met him in Rome. We spent five days in Rome, including a day trip to Pompeii, and then we went to Paris. Mm-hmm. And I know Rome and Paris people go there, right? It's <laughs> yes. not monumental, except I hadn't been to Western Europe in. 27 years. Wow. So a few okay. things had changed. Really? So this is the part of the show <laughs> where I'm just going to make some broad cultural observations and engage in stereotypes. Okay. okay? Yes. And then there I'm go, Lee, and
2: that's because uh, we're very evolved here. Good. But but that's what where... tourists do. I know. Yeah. And
0: I know that you guys have been to Europe a lot more than I have. Liz, you worked pretty right. regularly in Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I did. Uh, at your last job. Julie, you're constantly traveling. You've also been there. But for me, it had really been a while. So Europe has changed in general, <laughs> yeah. uh, if I could say that. Or and, maybe
1: it's you. It's,
0: <laughs> and, well, I know a couple of things. My language skills have deteriorated pretty badly. So my high school French and my college Italian were both pretty rusty, mm-hmm. but I did attempt to employ them. Okay. But I can say this, number one thing that has changed, so many more people speak English than they used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not even funny. Like, you, I mean... When I went to Italy the last time, a couple times in college and right out of college, because I spoke Italian, I was the only one in the group that spoke Italian, everything was on me. I had to do all the ordering. I had to get all the hotel rooms. I had to figure out the train station. It was kind of stressful now you start speaking in bad Italian and they just respond to you, everybody in English. That's yeah. a big difference yeah. in
1: 25 years. Really, Americans are the only people that don't, don't speak, speak other languages. <laughs> okay. You know, we're the only ones just sticking to our mother tongue and that's it. Luckily, you're right, many countries have adopted that as their second. Yes.
0: So I found it helpful. I mean, it meant it was just enjoyable that I could use the bad Italian and the rusty French if I needed to. And uh-huh. I Nailed a couple of conversations with cab drivers. It felt pretty good. But, things like that. But it takes a little bit of pressure off. So thank you, Europe. Well done.
2: Uh, Did you use any apps for translating, Leanne, or for, uh, for communicating? Any of no. the foreign language apps as part of your navigational tools?
0: <laughs> no, I probably should have because I realized after four days in Paris that every time I asked for the bill, which is la l'addition, I had yeah. actually been asking for a l'assiette, a seat. So I kept raising my hand going,
1: l'assiette, s'il vous plaît.
0: <laughs> and they
1: thought you just wanted to move?
0: I, I don't know what. The, I was doing the international sign for check. So, and they, I'm very grateful they to the Parisian care. waiters yes. for not laughing at me. Lasiette. I was super confident. <laughs> so I should have used more. Um, you know, I could read well, mm-hmm. so I didn't need it, a ton of it. And
1: again. It's good for signage and metro stations yeah. and things. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, okay, the euro, fantastic.
1: I mean... (laughs) Not that constant changing of money? Holy cow. I remember it. Well,
2: well, talk to the Brits. They don't think so much. I know.
0: I don't... And I know the Italians are thinking of dropping the euro, too. Okay, Italians, don't do it. Because remember the lira? Remember the lira you, you... it was like thirty eight million to one. I mean it was you you get a, you get a coke, and it was forty seven thousand lira I, It was just nuts, yeah, and even the franc was it, it involved fractions. it was like, oh, no one can divide six and a quarter into dollar. What is that like it just didn't make any sense, mm-hmm. and when you're traveling between companies, you don't need to panic spend like yeah. oh my gosh, I have to get rid of lira. My I lira. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic, so guy. <laughs> I'm all for the Euro. Euro <laughs> all for Eurozone, you're in. <laughs> all right. Roller bags. No one is backpacking through Europe anymore. <laughs> Remember those giant <laughs> backpacks? The big frames yeah. had. That we looked like idiots and we couldn't get into the trains. <laughs> and now everyone has a roller bag. They're rolling well, all day long, every yes, every thank, day.
1: Thank you, Away. Four uh-huh. wheels.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just want to shout out to our sponsor, Away, because wh- I did get an Away bag, and it was fantastic, but everybody has a roller bag. So... I felt really European with my... With <laughs> Even my... on
1: the cobblestones it was working for you? I, we were top-notch. Colin okay. and
0: I moving through those cobblestones. I mean, he is a fast walker. He rivals Julie Dolan in walk speed. Oh. You and Colin could have a continental walk-off. <laughs> I mean, I had to tell him several times, back off the pace. I can't keep up. Back off the pace. So I, I loved it. Roller bags. And this goes to the next one. Sneakers. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember, it used to be just Americans that wore sneakers. Mm-hmm. You know, you could always spot the dorky Americans because we had sneakers on. Yeah. Everybody wears sneakers now, people. Yes. Very chic older women in Italy wearing sneakers. Really? All the young kids in France wearing sneakers. Business people wearing sneakers. Everyone wears sneakers. What a mm-hmm. relief. How sensible. <laughs> I mean, the whole time, Julie, I kept thinking please don't let me break my ankle. Please don't. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Because we have terrible ankles, you and I, and there's a lot of cobblestones in ancient streets. (laughs) It was a miracle that I came home without a broken ankle. Are
1: you that old that you have actually started worrying about that that kind of thing now?
0: That is how old I am, Liz. (laughs) That is how old I am. Okay, smartphones. I know it seems obvious, but and there are a lot of pros and cons because everyone's looking at their phones and not interacting and stuff, but it's pretty darn handy to be able to make all those reservations ahead of time and the GPSing Mm -hmm. and have your tickets on your phone. And it's pretty great, Mm -hmm. I have to say. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that also accounts for why there are so many tourists in Europe. We'll get to that. Uh, Okay, Europe, I just want to shout out salads. I mean, I... (laughs) Is that a new development in the last 27 years? I have to say, I really thought California invented the big giant salad. You know, we have big, delicious, juicy salad here. We do. You know, filled with all kinds of tasty treats in it from nuts and produce. And avocados. The avocados and everything. It's like my favorite part of California, the produce, you
1: know. we. Just... why they call it the salad ball, right? It
0: is.
2: That whole Central Valley.
0: Yeah. That, both in Italy and in France, giant, juicy fat filled salads with They walnuts. make it for all
2: the Americans that are traveling, and because that's what they, they get into those restaurants and they ask for a big salad. There you go. It's
0: just fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. All right, and I have good news for people who drink rosé. Mm. Even the sophisticated Romans and Parisians drink rosé. Mm. I mean, everywhere, rosé all day. So if that's what you want to do, go for it. There's no shame. So you were partaking? You bet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not a lot, because yeah. I was just with Colin. And it's just us, yeah, I mean... You know, but, yes, with a salmon salad, a what? glass of rosé, Liz, there's, that says, that's Sounds living. delicious. And Same thing you would have at home. <laughs> it is. Except it's, it's, everything was a little bit better because <laughs> you were in Paris or Rome. Yeah. And then it's just a pleasure to be in two countries that appreciate coffee that doesn't include whipped cream. I mean, <laughs> the coffee purity in yeah. Rome and Paris is strong. Like, I mean, those Italians, the last thing they need is that espresso. I mean, they are going 100 miles an hour. They are talking over each other and talking with their hands and driving crazy. And they whip into those espresso bars. And they just set them up a single shot. And they throw it back. They stomp out of the espresso bar.
1: It's not called espresso for nothing. No.
0: There's nothing (laughs) splendid. There's no whipped cream. Mocha is not involved at all. I just loved it.
1: (laughs) They also are extremely judgy about Americans who drink lattes after lunch. I know. That is just so not done. Yeah. I got a real talking to from many of my Roman colleagues <laughs> during my business. No, Nobody in Italy would ever order a coffee with milk after lunch. Yeah. It just would not happen. I
0: was terrified to order any. Yeah, I just stopped drinking coffee before noon. I knew uh-huh. that that was a thing back in the day. I didn't know if they still, still held a the thing. same. Still, still a thing. A thing. <laughs> well, because they just, they just stomp in and they order those <laughs> espressos. They shoot them and then you just, they're out. It's the whole transaction takes like 32 seconds.
1: Yeah. Well, venti is not a word either. So that do we, they would never have the quadruple size, you know, Slurpees full of coffee that we have in America. That would just, no Italian would ever drink that much coffee.
0: I just loved it. I loved it. So those are just like general, like getting back into Europe and like, oh my gosh, but Rome and Paris are both big global cities. And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of Tourists. That's the other mm-hmm. thing I noticed now that was really different than twenty five years ago. Is that just me? I mean, yes. I feel like <laughs> Yes,
2: I, it is. No, there are a lot more there are a lot more tourists. Okay. It's it's you know, it's much more accessible. People wanna travel, it's easier to travel and they wanna see these great cities. Mm-hmm. So they go. Yeah, they take I, their roller bags and their sneakers, and they're they're
0: off. Off Williams. they go. Yeah, I think because I think the internet has sort of opened up the idea. It has made it a lot easier because there were just a lot more lines in places. I didn't remember lines.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: we were in Paris for four days, we never got into Notre Dame. Really, you know, just lines wrapped three four hour lines, and I don't. Hmm. Rec- Call
1: that, and it I was don't recall the that.
0: same thing at the Vatican. Like the line was wrapped around St. Peter's Square.
1: I well, I think that was always
0: so, kind of a hotspot. <laughs> may, may I have to say, when I was in Rome, I was like, "What did I do here in college?" I think we just sat on the Spanish Steps for four days because I don't remember any of these things. But just in general, I just noticed a lot more, like mm. lines and tourism and things like that. Things that. It's, it's so it struck me. So I have a special report on Rome now. All okay. Right? So that was my generalization. Like if you're going to Europe and you haven't been there in a hundred years, <laughs> you're welcome.
2: I think I've prepared Maybe you Maybe you could run a, your own special orientation course, <laughs> Liam, for people like yourself. <laughs> for the once every quarter century club. I'm not alone. I've talked
0: to quite a few people who also haven't been there since college. Yes. It or, happens. Never, or, or never. Or never, yeah. right? It, just, it happens. It happens. It happens. All right. So here, when we went to Rome, it was exciting because my son has been studying ancient history and Renaissance history. That's what he's been studying this whole year at school. And then he took Latin for four years at college. So he He's had a the lot boy of, after your own heart. He really is. I didn't want to say that, Liz. But yes, that's true. And those are things that I'm interested in. I don't know as much about the Renaissance as he does. Um, but I know I, I enjoy imperial Rome. And so so that was our focus those two areas. Like uh-huh. you could go to Rome and do something totally different. You could eat your way through Rome or drink your way through Rome or, or shop. shop your yeah. way through Rome or do modern design. Uh, we no, we stuck with Imperial Rome and the Renaissance. And We had a fantastic time. He was just brimming with the confidence of having been abroad for eight weeks and, you know, studying these things and then seeing them. So he had a lot of information to add to every place we went. And I was surprised. And again, this is going to make me sound like an idiot. Like, there is a lot of new old stuff in Rome. So Mm -hmm. Rome looked really different than I recall. And I thought (laughs) it was just me. And maybe I never left those Spanish steps. But They have actually done a lot of excavation and a lot of work in the last 25 years. Apparently around the year 2000, around the Jubilee, they decided to really spend a lot of money excavating things like the Roman Forum, which is thousands of years old, Mm -hmm. and creating new museums and relocating things that were in sort of like badly lit wooden sheds to beautiful Richard Meyer buildings. So... I thought it was me the first day. I'm like, this isn't at all how I remember this looking. And I thought there was a big traffic circle here. And what the heck is this museum? And so I went home. I brushed up. And like, oh, yes, yeah, all new stuff in Rome. New so, old stuff. New old stuff, which was fantastic. Good on you, Romans. I mean, yeah. Way to go. Because that stuff... As we know, I think the rest of the Italian economy appears to be collapsing (laughs) because people are just drinking coffee and I don't know what else they're doing. But they are spending a lot of money on their cultural heritage. So Mm -hmm. it was really great to see. So we had a fantastic trip to the forum. There's a beautiful new forum museum that we sort of happened into and it's actually built in the within the walls of a 3rd century AD market that was set up by Trajan. So you can walk through the stalls and the roads like they were and you know the stuff they just that's recently excavated that they pulled out of the ground is there on the walls. You know, it's spectacular. They've done an incredible job. They sort of rerouted the whole forum, so that was a ton of fun to do. They have a couple of new museums. The Roma National Museum is in a palazzo that they reconfigured. And, you know, they've really discovered a lot of stuff in the last 25 years. So, they, you have know, some... they were
1: trying to dig that subway for a while right. and then they had to keep stopping because they kept running into things. So a lot of that stuff has surfaced.
0: Yeah, and it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I couldn't believe how much new stuff there was. And then, you know, just everywhere we went, there's a whole the Aris Pachus, which is like imagine the Lincoln Memorial if animal sacrifices had taken <laughs> place on it, because that's what it is. It was mm-hmm. built in the in the first century A.D. for Caesar Augustus, and you know what, people, it just got buried because that's what happens to history and statues and stuff like. Mm-hmm. It gets buried. Even if you're the most powerful man on earth, even if you're Caesar Augustus and you run an empire with 50 million people, which is what the Roman Empire had, your stuff can get buried. Empires
1: come, empires go.
0: Yes, they do, Liz. Good thing to remember. And so... They found that. Like uh, you know, uh, Mussolini found that fifty years ago and it was in a wooden shed and they really didn't do anything with it. And then a couple twenty years ago they built a beautiful Richard Meyer building around it and they installed the beautiful altar. It's spectacular. Like that was just a really lovely afternoon. So we had a ton of fun. Colin kind of set the agenda. You know, when you're traveling with the twenty year olds, a couple things you don't want to do. You don't wanna wake up every day at six thirty. There's just no <laughs> point in that. There's <laughs> they're going to resent you. Uh, But the good news is a lot of things in Rome were open till like seven or eight o'clock at night. They apparently get up late too, the Romans. (laughs) So there was no rush. So we did that. We ate on his schedule. Like, you're hungry now? Okay, we'll eat now. You want another pizza? Have another pizza. Have a bowl of pasta. That was fantastic. But he was really enjoying all of that ancient history and the Renaissance history. So we were really able to Enjoy all that and all these new places. And a lot of the newer stuff is not crowded because the crowds at the Colosseum and at the Vatican are Mm -hmm. a little overwhelming. And this was May, so I can't even imagine being there in August. So to that end, we did do a tour of the Vatican, and I did an early entrance tour.
1: Oh, how does that work?
0: So a couple of companies are designated by the Vatican to get You go in at 8 o'clock in the morning as opposed to 9 o'clock in the morning. One of these places was Live Italy was the name of the tour group, and I'll put everything on the website. So you go in with a guide. There were only six of us. We got in at 8 o'clock an hour before. So theoretically, you have an hour of the museum with a much reduced bunch mm-hmm. of people. And we just literally ran to the Sistine Chapel. I loved our guide Julia. She's a PhD in Egyptology and was an art historian. And we we ran to the Sistine Chapel. And uh, we. it's not like we had the place to ourselves, but she had done an amazing job preparing us as we waited in line to get in with all kinds of, you know, here's the Sistine Chapel, here's this, look at this panel, look at that panel. We ran to the Sistine Chapel and then we kind of worked backwards. Totally worth it. And then we got to skip the line at St. Peter's and go right in. So instead of waiting, uh, you know, to get into the Basilica for hours and hours and hours, we were able just to go in after, you know, right away.
2: Completely. And that's okay. how that's how you do Disneyland too. Yeah. you <laughs> run to the back of the park and then work forward.
0: It was. Yeah, it was like 100 percent. It was the Disneyland plan, but it was the Sistine Chapel. And Colin had been studying it all term. So it was particularly meaningful. And our guy Julia was so great talking to him and recommending books to him and and things like that. It totally worth it. So if you've got, you know, the Vatican, the Sistine Chapel on your bucket list, Absolutely worth the money to do the guided tour. Otherwise, it's very confusing. Have you been to the Vatican Museum lately? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, not lately. Right. No, no. You don't even not remember. Like the last 10 years. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a confusing place. And so we love that. And at the end of the day, Colin actually said to me, thank you so much for today, Mom. That meant a lot. Forgetting I was like, me up to, for Friday, 8 start. Up, <laughs> getting me to the tour. We did it. We had so much fun. Totally worth it. And then the other thing we loved were these books that people on our Facebook group recommended. Inside
1: Imperial Rome. I'm nice. showing
0: Liz, Julie. It's a 3D book because it shows you, look at this, Liz. So here's the cover. That's The Coliseum, The Way it
1: is today yes but oh look you put the magic (laughs) flap over it that's the way it was that's the way the coliseum was That's we, so low tech. It's just
0: amazing, and so enjoyable. Every <laughs> look, it just happens. Oh, you do. Who it. needs video? Nobody. That's you know what. We loved our books. We bought one of these for Rome and one of these for Pompeii. They had been recommended. They were fantastic. They have a little guided tour for you, all the information you need, nice. and then you get this low tech experience of oh, before and after. Fantastic. Nice. Okay. We loved it. So that is highly recommended. Again, I'm going to put it in a blog post. Uh, How are we doing on time? Can I keep going? Am (laughs) I too long? Yeah. Uh, I think we're good. We want to know more. All right. Just a couple more things. I, I have to say... We walked everywhere, you know, walked and walked and walked. Rome was a great city for that because the the cabs are like death defying. So I didn't really want to get in a cab. And at one point, Colin's like, can we can we rent a Vespa? We could rent Vespas. I was like, we'll kill ourselves or each other. This will end badly. Let's just stay off of Vespa. So we did that. And then the last big thing we did was go to Pompeii. We Mm -hmm. took this day trip to Pompeii. And I told Mm -hmm. you it'd been on my bucket list. Really wanted to do it. Very interested in this, and it was a little bit of work from Rome. Uh, you could you could get on a a bus, a coach, a guided tour, but those started at like seven in the morning. And so I think that's a I no had go? it was a no go. I'd done that once with the Vatican. He made it through. He was happy, but we decided to take the train ourselves. You take a high speed train to Napoli, then you get on a small commuter train. You go out to Pompeii. Sounds fairly easy except then you discover there are actually thanks italy two places called Pompeii there's my, and they're Pompeii on south and Pompeii north uh, pretty much of? there's the town and then there's the site oh and they're on separate train lines okay. so you could very easily get one has one eye and one has two eyes it's not clear which is which, Liz. And there's no English in the Napoli train station. This is a small commuter train. It's like a subway. Yeah. Uh, it's, and the Pompeii, the site, is 20 stops from the Napoli train station. Mm-hmm. And I only mention this because we got on the train. There we were. It was a very crowded train. Mm-hmm. You know I have a little issue with claustrophobia. I know you do, yeah. <laughs> so I was oops. like, I can do this. I can do this. It's going to be fine. And I, we were smashed in this train and then a whole nother wave of italians forced themselves onto the train and i looked at colin i'm like i can't do this i can't i had to get off the train i had yeah so this is like a bucket list item a (laughs) lifetime dream i had i was like i just started screaming i have to get off the train i have to get off this train I thought if they shut those doors, I'm a dead woman. Like, I, I was one, like, half a level be- beneath a, a panic attack. Total panic. But yeah. if they had shut the doors and I had 20 stops with those people on that, no. So I got off the train. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Colin. I was just like, it's okay, Mom. We'll take the next train. Maybe it won't we'll be so crowded We'll go to the crowded. other
1: Pompeii. Not so crowded.
0: We'd <laughs> <laughs> had, like, this full day plan, the, the museum. We're going to get pizza. We're going to go to Pompeii. No, we got on the next train. I had a Coca-Cola, Liz, because that's okay. what you do. And then I got on the next train, not crowded at all. It was completely fine. But that, it almost stopped me dead in my tracks. So mm-hmm. I just want to warn people if they decide to do the train route, just <laughs> just be careful. And But that, you've been to Pompeii. No, I never
1: have. Yes. So Julie, have you been
2: there? It's fantastic. It's amazing because... A lot of times you can't visualize how things actually, you know, what actually happened there. But in Pompeii, you can actually visualize what happened to that town. Yeah. Right, Leanne? It's it's an amazing sight. It lived up and exceeded yeah. every
0: expectation I had. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. We had an absolutely beautiful day. And um, and then, uh, sorry.
1: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just held up a note to Leanne that said, do you want to do more after the break? Cause I know <laughs> we were going to try to get this all done in this one first segment, but I know. there's no reason. Anyway, no, I, just, I'm wrapping. We, with could, Pompeii. we could
2: stop and have a Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> could
0: catch your breath. I'm sorry. I'm wrapping with Pompeii and okay. then we'll, then we'll move on. We, then, then we can decide. But yes. I would just like, to, and again, I'm writing this all up in a blog post. So I would just like to say, if that is on your bucket list, please go because it was a beautiful day. You know, it was a town of 20,000 people, so it's a really big town and a really big site, and you can wander the streets, and it's sort of lightly reconstructed you know they didn't it's not a disneyland type thing they've done really careful excavation in the last again in the last 30 years they've done a lot of excavation they put together a few things but not so much that you yeah. feel like it's hokey
1: it's like ephesus and turkey i've been there same thing okay they've reconstructed part of it like there's the big library that they've kind of put together and you can get, generally get the gist of what the homes look like and what the baths look like but it's not yeah, some it's disneyland recreation. yeah
0: it, it was really great and that and the, What surprised me most about Pompeii was maybe this is being from California. You walk into these houses, you're like, Oh, I'll take this. (laughs) Yeah, I could totally live here. You know, it's like they were spectacular homes from 79 AD. You know, open courtyards, baths, murals on the wall, like great gardens, kitchen islands. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Stainless steel appliances.
0: If Out, you, outdoor kitchens if you squint yes plenty of those liz if you squinted liz you'd get all those things so that was like a hundred percent bang up totally worth it even worth the panic attack we never made the great museum in napoli uh-huh. because because of the panic my attack. issue but i'd like to thank my son for standing by me but we had a fantastic time so i'm gonna do paris next week but oh, i just great. wanted okay. to do like All of Europe first, and then Rome today. And there will be blog posts with everything we did, all the places we went. Links
1: to Live Italy
0: and other things. Thank you so much for all your recommendations, some of which we used, some of which we didn't get to, but it was because we just had a very full schedule and a super-duper enjoyable time. So it was really, as people say, kind of a trip of a lifetime. It was very special to be there with Colin. I hadn't really anticipated that. So um, so we really had a lot of fun. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get to, the you know, some of the not fun news of the day. And well, then entertainment. And then entertainment. So stick with us. Uh, but first, we want to thank Harry's. Harry's. All right, Liz, now now we need to get to the news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I really
1: blissfully avoided, I have to say. It's kind of nice to get a break I, from it, was, it, isn't
0: it? It was fantastic. And also, when you're in Imperial Rome and you realize empires last for a thousand years, you have good years
1: and bad, you know? <laughs> Or decades. It does give you perspective. It certainly does, Julie. Yeah. So the day-to-day is not always good. But there was a block of stories at the end of last week that I just thought we should mention, kind of under the Stay Noisy banner. Julie, you and I were talking about this stuff a little bit. There's, you know, in case you think that, like, the Me Too moment is, like, time for that to go away. Let's just move on with our lives. We think we've made our point. I would say, like, the end of last week proved to us that, no, it's really just beginning. And here are a couple of the examples of things that happened last week that I wanted to mention. The University of Southern California, USC, right here in L.A., we talked last year about the story they had about their meth smoking med school dean. Do you remember that? Right. When we had yeah, a discussion? right. It's a
2: really, really a pillar of the medical community. Liam, yeah. And Liz. Yeah.
1: So he was they found out that he was smoking meth and he was with prostitutes in hotel rooms and he just sort of quietly got retired and was allowed to stay on the faculty. And OK, that did not go over well. Um, but then what happened over the last several weeks is the longtime campus gynecologist. His name is George Tyndall they realized that for decades, for decades, this guy had been making sexual comments and touching patients inappropriately during pelvic exams. Like, so he's your campus gynecologist, right? Ugh. So you're a 20-year-old girl going in for a routine exam, and this creep is doing all of the exams and Things are getting reported and ignored, reported and ignored, because he's a doctor in the campus health services. And, you know, this is some, you know, very important guy within the campus community. And USC is really, you know, they're kind of trying to hide what's going on because we don't want to admit that our own campus gynecologist has effectively been assaulting the women of the university. So what they did when they finally realized they had to deal with it, they drew up a secret deal. And he left with a financial settlement like it never became public. Uh, They paid him off and USC did not inform either the state medical board or law enforcement that basically this guy had been assaulting the women of the community for decades. Three decades at the Campus Health Center. So this became public by the L.A. Times. Lee and I saw you tweeted out on this. Good work, L.A. Times. Yeah, they've
0: been doing great reporting on this. Yeah. I mean, USC is a very powerful
1: organization
0: here in Southern California. Super powerful. So that's, I mean, it's it's a landmark
1: organization. So so anyway, so L.A. Times reported on this, so that now the university has to go public with it. And there was such an outcry adding these things together with other like things where, like, women have been saying this is wrong and the university has been saying, yeah, well, we're just going to look the other way and pay these guys to go away. So anyway, Julie, as you saw, like, the end of last week, the university president— Had to resign over
2: this. Yeah, which was that was a very stunning development. Um, But I think it speaks to the consequences now of the Me Too movement the type of the type of settlements that you know, for example, the um, the gymnastics uh, team or all the girls that were at the um, University of Michigan. These are you know five hundred million dollar settlements. That these are the kinds of things that are going to bankrupt the universities. So. So, yes, that president does uh, deserve to resign. And that I think, as you said, Liz, this is the beginning, not the end of it. I mean, this is, you know, it's so, it's so shocking that it's 2018 and all of this stuff is going on. But I guess the good news is that there is this awakening that people aren't going to tolerate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I get frustrated when I hear people saying, well, OK, we we get it now. Time to move on. Or, oh, now everybody's afraid to do anything or say anything. I mean, these are people who are assaulting their patients, you know, or smoking meth and running the med school, you know, or deciding to ignore that and not report it to a medical board. So there does need to be a reckoning. So the the second story last week was the news that Morgan Freeman has now been accused of all kinds of, you know, you want to say bad behavior, but it's more than that. It's a little bit more than that. Sexual harassment and... You know, I mean, I love Morgan Freeman. I mean, we we lo- he's the executive. producer he played and Madam God, Secretary. He's yeah. God. God. Yes, he's on the Supreme
0: God. Court at Madam Secretary. Yeah, uh, this was y- a blow.
1: Yes, I worked with him directly at National Geographic because he does the show "The Story of God" for Nat Geo. Anyway, this is someone that you really want to believe in. Anyway, so when all this news came out last week, one of his statements was, "I'm sorry if people interpreted my attempts at humor." Ah, uh, as you know something that was harassment, and you know, if you actually read the story, yeah, what he's accused of doing is these are not things that could be misinterpreted at humor, unless wow. you know he's like lifting people's skirts in the workplace or standing nose to nose with them in staff meetings and looking them up and down, like this is way beyond humor, so i I'm just always disappointed when I hear that that's my excuse, like, oh, my behavior is misunderstood." but in this case, also kind of I, and you know, obviously people have put up with this for a long time. From, right. From, yeah, I it's, mean,
2: a to- it's a tolerance in the workplace because he was a very famous and outstanding actor, you know, and he was very valuable for, to all the organizations that he worked for, right? And yeah, so you yeah, know right. if he was a he's a big movie star.
1: Yeah, right. And then and then the, the third piece of this was the whole Arrested Development interview and the backlash to that. I'm not sure how many of you read that or read about that. But basically, the cast of Arrested Development was doing an interview with The New York Times, with a reporter at The New York Times. And it was all of the men and the women in the cast. And because Jeffrey Tambor is in the cast of Arrested Development and, you know, he was fired from uh, Transparent because of sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior so the reporter asked about this and as they're discussing it the uh the woman Jessica Walter who is the star she's what's her name Bluth whatever mrs bluth yeah um she start they start to talk a little bit about how harassing he was towards her And all of the other men in the cast sort of jump in and start excusing his behavior. Like, yeah, like Jason Bateman said, I wouldn't do the show without him. Yeah, this is kind of the way things roll. We're families and families have arguments. And what was so stunning about this is the audio exists and the New York Times posted the audio. So you can actually listen to this conversation. You can listen to Jessica Walter, who said... She's been an actress for 60 years. 6-0. And <laughs> yeah. something this bad had never happened to her, right? 6-0 years. What more do you want from us, people? I don't know. Yeah. She, she stayed styling for 60 years. And that uh, and you hear the like younger men on the cast all jumping in and, and making these excuses and but kind of saying not to minimize it, but you know, this is the way things happen, and people have their process. And I think some of it comes down to this accommodation of like geniuses or stars, whether they're they're actors or business people. You look at Harvey Weinstein or you look at these, I mean, meth-smoking med school deans being accommodated. And it's like I feel like part of the reckoning, I think, is going to be people speaking up sooner when they see this happening. Right. You know, so much. You look at the Morgan Freeman story. He was doing some of this like unpressed junkets in front of a lot of other people, right. including his fellow actors uh, on the movies. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us, men and women, to sort of step up when we see it's happening. And to the extent that these stories continue to be told, I think puts more pressure on the people who are witnesses to. Right. It right. To actually, certainly you know, it a lot of times, you know, I moment. think
2: people you know, I think this third case with the arrested development, you know, it, maybe it was a little more subtle or not as, you know, egregious or as criminal as some of these yes, other acts. Sure. But yet it's probably more common. And but, you know, people don't want to rock the boat. They don't yeah. want to speak up. You know, they don't want to. You know, these are big, you know, if they're, a, it's a powerful person, if it's a, you know, it's someone in a position that's very powerful for any organization, you know, you see this happening. So yeah. but I think, as you said, Liz, it's incumbent on all of us to say, hey, wait, that is unacceptable behavior and to make sure that people know what unacceptable behavior looks like.
1: Yeah. In one of these cases, in the Morgan Freeman case, he was on a junket with Alan Arkin, who was a co-star in one of the movies he was out promoting. And even Alan Arkin sort of stepped in at one point and, and stopped something like that says a lot. That right. If, if it was obvious enough in the moment that he did step in, I don't think the apology that I'm sorry if this got misinterpreted is really. Enough. Right. I don't know what we need to hear from these people, but that's not really enough. Anyway, maybe
0: just I'm sorry. And then just
1: I shouldn't have done that. Right.
0: I shouldn't have done that. Yeah.
1: And then stop talking. Right. Yeah. Then start listening. Right. Yes. That's when the listening comes. And that's what's so egregious about the Jessica Walter example with Arrested Development. Right. The men are just talking over her, talking over her. She's trying to tell her story. And the men just keep talking and excuse it. Anyway, so I don't want to bring us all down. I just want to say the Me Too moment. More than a moment, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the moment's going to be going on for a while. And we're all going to be better off for it, right? I think we'll all be happier in the end. There's going to be a lot of learning, though. Yes. People
0: have to do a lot of learning and a lot of listening. And then and then maybe a lot of apologizing and then some more learning and some uh, listening.
1: I know. People seem more panicked about the fact that Starbucks is going to be closed for an hour today yeah. for bias <laughs> training. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that, I heard that story 10 times on the news this morning before I even got here at 8.15 a.m. So we're really focused on Starbucks being closed for an hour. But some of these larger cultural issues. Uh, OK, we're done with that. We got We got that solved. Anyway, just stay noisy and then start listening. Maybe that's our new hashtag. Stay noisy, start listening. That is all.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) All right. We will be back with Entertaining Sisters. But Satellite Sisters, lots of entertainment reporting coming up and also Operation Sea Turtle. Mm -hmm. But first, I want to forward promote our Satellite Sisters book club pick. I've been out of the country for a couple of weeks, so we haven't Uh had a chance to do this properly. Uh, But the book is Where the Peacocks Sing by Allison Singh G. And we have information at our website and I'll be reposting stuff um, at our Facebook page, at our Facebook group. Allison will be with us in the studio next week. So, and she is a friend of mine. I've gotten to know her through various writing groups, and I'm so happy that she can come in. This is sort of a charming, delightful memory. It's a great place to kick off the summer because it's like a travel book to India. It's the story of how she was this very high-profile you know, material girl, journalist in Hong Kong, working for People Magazine, and she fell in love. She She's a Chinese-American, and she fell in love with an Indian journalist, and then she travels to his home country to meet her in-laws and also to discover that they're sort of— landed gentry Uh i mean they are landed gentry it's just the landing part is not that great so it's (laughs) she has to immerse herself in a new culture and a new country and you know she's used to traveling in certain circles and there she is in india with this complete falling down palace that allegedly you know is part of her dowry now so uh She's so fun to talk to. She's so lively. And Allison also teaches memoir at UCLA Writing Extension. So I also want to talk to her just about the art of memoir. I get asked a a lot of questions about memoir. Oh, I'd like to write a memoir. I'd like to do this. I don't know anything about memoir, so I (laughs) am happy to turn over these questions to Allison. So if you're an aspiring writer, you're thinking about writing memoir, we're also going to talk to Allison about that. So I'll be posting on our Facebook group this week. If you have questions for Allison about the book. That would be the place to put them in that thread. The book is called Where the Peacocks Sing, A Palace, A Prince, and the Search for Home by Allison Singji. And that's next week on Satellite Sisters. I can't wait.
2: Sounds good, Lee. And, you know, we t- we were talking off air about how we really want to recommend more books, more movies, more concerts that we go to because we do a lot of these things. So I have a couple of book recommendations in addition to our book club pick. And I'm not calling these reviews. I mean, these are just picks. You know, you're looking for a book, you want something to read, you're taking a trip or whatever. I've got a couple for you. The first one is Sometimes I Lie by Alison Feeney. I don't know if you've read this book. No, have not. No. Okay. So this is, okay, here's everything you need to know about the book. And it's described in the first page. It says, my name is Amber Reynolds, and there are three things that you should know about me. Number one, I'm in a coma. Number two, my husband doesn't love me anymore. Number three, sometimes I lie. And that's how the book takes off. So oh, this is wow. a real thriller book. You want something that really engages you from the get-go and you have something and there are all kinds of clues and you have to figure it out, this is the book for you. And when you read it, I want you to write to the Facebook group and tell me what the ending means, okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I am still not certain. As of this morning, I have a new theory, okay? Just as I was reviewing this before the podcast, I was like, aha, maybe that's what happened. So the, if you like thriller books, this is the one for you, okay? okay. So I, I recommend that. My second recommendation is "Little Fires Everywhere" by Celeste Ng. Now I don't know have you if you've, if I you've keep ever hearing read,
1: about this. Yeah, I this know is, so many people that have loved this.
2: Yeah, just run, don't walk. Uh, get yourself, uh, you know, run over to the computer, to your bookstore, whatever. Go get yourself a copy of this. This is set in Shaker Heights, Ohio, which is considered a very superb progressive suburb, and it's the story of two families. And this sort of what happens. It has excellent themes of motherhoods, of the weight of secrets, of lives revealed, of lives lived differently. So I it's just so well written. It's the observations about teenagers growing up in a suburb, about the families. It's it's just well done. And again, just so engaging from the opening page. I highly recommend that book. Okay. okay. Oh, all, yeah. right. all right. Strong. Strong
0: recommendations. All right.
2: Two strong recommendations. And then over the weekend, Urban Nana was in full operation. I ha- we we were taking care of our three grandchildren here in Dallas, Texas. And it was a long, hot weekend here. Very <laughs> hot. We had three kids. Many, many, many days of, of uh, all together. So we, we saw some <laughs> movies and and I ended up we ended up seeing movies that two of them they were just highly controversial and but I wanted to talk about what we saw and how you know and what I thought about it the first one which is now available for rental is the the Peter Rabbit yes. this is the James Corden version of Peter Rabbit and this was a movie that came out in the spring in late April and it was immediately boycotted uh it's an animated movie It has both real people and animated, you know, bunny rabbits that talk, you know? So I thought, good, a good, I love talking animal movies, right? Those are the best. Um, But, but it was boycotted by a group because one of the scenes in the movie, this, the young Mr. McGregor, as you remember the tale of Peter rabbits, that he has a food allergy to blackberries, a life threatening food allergies. And in the movie, uh, the rabbits are throwing blackberries at Mr. McGregor, and he has to use his EpiPen to revive himself. Uh, uh, and uh, the Kids with Food Allergy Foundation, which is a division of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, when they saw this movie, they protested it to um, to the uh, to the movie producers because they said. That you know, for parents of children with life-threatening uh, allergies, that this scene was very you know insensitive to their needs, and that it could cause a great deal of anxiety because you see young Mr. McGregor really in distress, trying to find his epipen before epipen before he uses it, um, and so there was a boycott that was started. Um, for this movie, so I don't think that this movie had a very short run in the movie theaters. I think they were thinking it was going to be much better, um, but now it's out um, for that, that you're able to rent this movie, and um, and I think that it's appropriate that um, that the Kids with Food Allergy Foundation and um, and others protested this because number one, it wasn't critical to the, se- to the scene. I mean, mm-hmm. to the story. And why they had to have someone, you know, an adult in distress using an EpiPen? I don't understand. Right?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Hard to say. Maybe, maybe what was their argument that it sort of raises consciousness about those kinds no. of issues? No, no, it
2: wasn't that thoughtful. No, it's this movie is is think of like a it had sort of Home Alone kind of slap. Slapstick violence—you oh, oh. know the bunnies attacking Mr. McGregor—and so it's been a while. So it was just in a Peter device. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So it was just a device that was used. But I think, you know, with a children, with children's movie, I think we do need to be really thoughtful. Now, the second movie that we ended up seeing this weekend is also creating a stir. But it, but this movie, Sony, Sony, that produces this movie, Show Dogs, that just opened in theaters, you know, which is the story of a talking police dog that rescues a kidnapped baby panda bear. So, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yes excellent storyline but as part of this the police dog who is this just very charming Rottweiler, he has to go undercover uh in a dog show and as you as you two dog lovers know and as anyone that's ever watched a dog show that is part of the dog show um Uh, performance that you have to be examined by the judge and that there is a genital examination as part of that judging. So in this movie, um, they are preparing this police dog for that genital examination. And they use some very sort of you know sort of in inap- again inappropriate language they they tell the dog to go to his zen place mm-hmm. uh to just to make it through you know having someone else you know touching him and the national center for sexual exploitation of children they spoke up about this movie and they said you know that's wrong we don't you know because because you've created these lifelike animals that are talking it's almost as if you're telling families and children that, you know, that this is how you're supposed to handle that kind of situation when someone is touching you in Mm -hmm. their private parts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the good news in this case is the studio made a new, listen to this protest, listen to this complaint and made it took that out of the movie and made wow. a new cut for the movie, which uh, which is really sort of limits. They the dog still has an examination, but you know there's not there's not this this talk about oh you just have to tolerate it and let it go. And I think this is you know Liz to use your expression stay noisy. These are two cases where, you know, parents of children, organizations that support and and represent children spoke up and spoke back to Hollywood and said, hey, you know, you can really change these. If it wasn't going to ruin the movie. Right. You know, the panda bear still gets rescued, you know, <laughs> and oh, you just don't have to make thing. a cute, crude joke about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. So show dogs and Peter. So rather. I would yeah. recommend
2: So in. Yeah, so I would recommend both movies: Show Dogs and Peter Rabbit. Uh, Urban Nano approved. I thought they were okay. Okay. <laughs> mm. Oh, great! We cover it all
1: here on Satellite Sisters. Um, so yesterday, well, let me go back a little bit. I I have really been trying lately to go to more live stuff, like get out of the house, go to things, live theater performances, whatever. So when I saw in the paper weeks ago that Paul Simon was starting a farewell tour here at the Hollywood Bowl. I thought, I should really get tickets to that. That is the kind of thing. I love Paul Simon. I've always loved Paul Simon. But did I, sisters? No, I did not. Because you think, you know, one thing is another. How are you going to rally people? So then last week, I guess it was either Tuesday or Thursday, whatever. The first part, he was doing three performances with Nights in Between then, so he did the performance, and now i'm reading the review in the paper i 'm like okay, i gotta go th- go to this so I start emailing around, trying to find friends who want to go. nobody people were busy on Monday night. it was last night like everyone was booked already, and each day like Friday, I tried a few people. Saturday, I tried a few people. And then I kept going to StubHub and there were still some tickets left. <laughs> left, And on Saturday, I even almost just bought a single ticket, which I have done before. I can go to things by myself. But there's something about going to the bowl and Paul Simon. I felt like I really wanted someone to go with me. So yesterday morning, I was home alone, feeling kind of dumb, like I hadn't gotten around to it. And I called our sister Monica, who was in Bend, Oregon, for the holiday weekend. I was chit-chatting with Monica, and I said, I'm so bummed. I couldn't find anyone who wanted to go to Paul Simon with me. I was
0: sick. I would just like to I know, say, I, I got know. home from Europe and immediately got sick. So. There's no blame here. Okay. It's just...
1: I uh, feel bad. Well, I feel bad now. But, no, but that, but Monica said to me, well, you know, Sheila wants to go. Sheila called me two months ago and tried to talk me into flying to Los Angeles to go to that. And I realized I had not called Sheila about this because she works nights and weekends. And I just assumed that she was working. So in a desperate last gasp kind of move, I texted Sheila and called Sheila. And I was like, OK, last minute. Any chance you want to go to see Paul Simon tonight? I can get two tickets on StubHub. And then I heard nothing. I heard oh nothing like 30 minutes went by, an hour went by, but miraculously, two and a half hours later, I get a call back from Sheila, who is like so psyched, yes, totally in, and the reason it took that long to get an answer is because she decided to spend the holiday at the Korean day spa that she goes to in Koreatown, (laughs) so she had her phone turned (laughs) off. And she said, I was not going to turn my phone on all day. I was going to go completely with no communication. But I did have one student I was teaching tonight. So when I got out of the day spa, I turned on my phone and boom, there's the text from you. So the first thing she did was call the family. She was, in fact, working that night. But she rescheduled that. She got that done. And next thing we know, Sheila and I are at the Hollywood Bowl together. Which oh, fantastic. Was delightful in every way. So here's what I'm going to say just quickly about, just about Paul Simon. Right, well, Leon, you said when we walked in this morning, hit machine, right? Yes, he's a hit machine. machine. I just feel like Paul Simon is one of those artists who is the soundtrack of my life. You know, that's right. The '70s, the '80s, some of my favorite songs, some of my favorite albums. I mean, back in the day when I would was buying cassettes, and you know, and (laughs) it's like Ryman Simon and things like that. My little cassette player in high school, and you go to a performance. And he's just such an amazing musician. But there's something that is so magical about songs, about individual great songs that you don't think they're in your head, but they're in your head. Like (laughs) he starts to sing 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. It's his second number. You know every word to that. Like if you ask me right now, could I sing 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover? Probably not. But when he's singing it, I can certainly sing along. So that was great. I woke up this morning, and first thing that popped into my brain was "la la 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 <laughs> wow, la 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 la." That's okay, Liz. No singing. Yeah, uh-huh. no. no but, but so it was just you're singing that, you're singing like all of a sudden Kodachrome. You just know all the words to Kodachrome. Right. So music is just an amazing thing. He's such a great performer. Not only has a great band, but as part of this tour, and I know there are a number of you in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group that have already said you already have tickets to see this farewell. It's his farewell tour, so get Mm -hmm. on it. that You already have tickets to see it. He has a chamber music ensemble with him called Y Music, and these are all young people. You know, they look like they're all 20-something, you know, cellos and clarinets. And they're in on some of the less well-known songs that he does. It is just so gorgeous in every way. So And how's his voice holding up? Pretty darn good. Sheila and I both felt like he can really sing. Oh, that's great to hear. It's not like he's struggling through things. Yeah, He seemed to be having fun. Some kind of of rambly, chatty stories. But, you know, yeah, when he sings, you start to cry when he sings like Homeward Bound. Yeah. But then we just... Jumped to our feet at me and Julio down by the (laughs) schoolyard. Sheila and I dancing in the aisles. So anyway, it was was awesome. It was one of those things that I'm so glad I went. Yeah, I'm glad you went. I would have woken up this morning and thought, well, that came and went. And, oh, that's too bad. But when we were there sitting in our seats, we were so psyched. So that's my advice. Get up and go. (laughs) Whatever you're thinking you should go to, go to it. Go 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 to to it. it. Um, that's, a, that's good advice, Liz. Yeah, I'm going to skip over my other recommendations because I know we're... Uh, we're... Will, you,
0: will you do the RBG
1: documentary next week? Can we I'll talk do about... that. Yes. Okay. Go see that. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, okay, so one quick Operation Sea Turtle thing. I just want to put this out there because if you follow us in the Facebook group, you know that I've been doing these weekly health and wellness postings that everyone chimes in on on how are you doing with your health and wellness program right. this week? Like, did you make it to your exercise class? How's your eating program going? You like, meditation, yes or no? And I realized like, I don't know, you know how sometimes you just lose your mojo. That's where I've yeah. been for like a month. I can get to random classes, but I I, I don't have all the pieces together, sisters. Yeah. I need I need that what I think I'm I'm a much better person when I just say, okay. Every day I'm going to do this and every night I'm going to do that. The moment I start to improvise right. my health and wellness program, <laughs> yeah. I, it just, it goes down the drain, Julie. It just goes down the drain. I just got to, I gotta That's
2: like. I mean, it's got to be the program, Liz. You just got to be in it every day. Right. Yeah. And just do the same thing every day. No making it up. No, like, or you get off your plan
1: because say I was in Bend for a week. And then you come back, you just got to get right back on that horse. Yeah. But it's so hard. And I know that we have a a number of listeners feel the same way. Joanne posted, I generally do well during the week, but the weekends are my downfall exercise and food wise. So I know that's pretty common. That's pretty common. Uh, Amy uh, posted a very helpful video on YouTube That is about how to lose arm fat, which, you know, I did ask about that. So (laughs) it's not like she was suggesting something that, you know, that she thought I needed. Uh, There are several listeners. Let's see here. Ann and Mary that are specifically working on fitness programs related to getting their A1Cs rechecked because they are, they've are, they been noted as pre-diabetic. So they're really sticking to it. So well done. And anyway, the, and Deanne, one last note. Deanne said, worked from home this week and still managed four out of five days of Beachbody, which oh, I know good. you've been recommending, yeah, Yeah, Beachbody on demand. But working from home kills me in the nutrition department. It's tough. Which is hard. Yep, I mean, all tough. three of us it's mainly work from home. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're having lunch at 9.30. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, or le- your first lunch at 930. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because then you but then you definitely need to eat something at noontime. Yeah, too, Right. That's I know. Yeah. What is it about you get a little
1: bit bored at your desk? So next thing you know, you're standing in front of the open refrigerator. I would never do that in a conventional workplace. No. I stayed away from all those snack rooms right. and things. But your own kitchen You just wander in there. I know. Anyway, so we're trying to keep this as a pep talk, but I just wanted to say I've really been struggling with my own program lately. So thank you all for all of the positive reinforcement uh, we're getting in the Facebook group and for all the positive reinforcement you all give each other. There you have it.
0: All right. Well, Liz, there is a guy who's swimming the Pacific Ocean, so maybe you could get on that for next year. Wow. 5,500 miles. That's a commitment. Is he good swimming in a cage? I don't know, six six months He swim in the ocean. So get on that, get on that. All right, we have to wrap here. But first, anybody have a to-do list item? Julie, you got anything? I do,
2: I do. I'm organizing a little reunion. I'm meeting with some of my expat friends. These are women I met when I, we lived in Bangkok, Thailand together. A long time ago. But oh, they're all going to be in Dallas and we're having a little reunion. How oh, about great. that? Oh, that'll
1: be fun. Good work. Yeah. That sounds great. All right, Liz, you got anything? Uh, all I can say, Leanne, is, series finale the americans oh
0: you've been saving
1: it Uh, yeah no it's tomorrow night night. oh okay yeah yeah series finale i just don't know what i'm gonna do without it but can you believe it julie this is going to be dramatic
0: and then uh my to-do list i am hosting the women in business luncheon this week i'm leading the panel discussion for that so i can fill you all in talking to three female ceos about their roles in beauty books and sporting goods so uh I got to prep for that. I got to turn it around and get back to work after that. sounds interesting. European Odyssey. (laughs) You you (laughs) need to go get an espresso land, quick. (laughs) Slam it down, Julie. Slam it down. All right. We want to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. We're here at the Wondry Sunset Studios. We'd like to thank Wondry. Big thanks to our sponsors this week. Thank you, Harry's. Thank you, Tula. Thank you, Ritual. Thank you, Dagny Dover. <laughs> Liz always does a great job of posting all the links and codes you need at our website mm-hmm. uh, and so, in the
1: show, notes, that and are in right the show under notes.
0: Satellitesisters.com. So you can find it there if you, you're looking for a promo code. That's the best place to go. Uh, sisters, I think we got to wrap this up. So yeah. have a fantastic week. Yeah. You and too. And welcome Liam. home, Leanne. Thank you. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.